Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we have looked at what happens when we are called to patiently wait upon the Lord. When God seems to be silent and we're in a holding pattern, what do we do? Um, we just need to stand. We need to be still. We need to hear his voice. And it's during those times when we learn about God, when he's silent, when we're going through the quiet time and we're still, we learn about God. We learn about his heart, his love for people. And he, he wants to keep us there so that he can begin to work that heart into each and every one of us. Because God wants us to have his heart for him, but also to have his heart for one another as well. And um, we, we shared last week how our hearts, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, and if we're going to love others, it's a labor of love. It's going to cost us something. It's not going to be something that you can just do quickly and easily and cheaply. So our hearts need to be right with God. We have to have God's heart for his people. And remember, Jesus chastised the religious leaders of his time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they, they had an understanding of the word, but they didn't know the heart of God behind the word. And so they just kept making it more and more difficult for them. And so he got on them about that. And then before his crucifixion, Peter, you know, when the soldiers came to get him, Peter cuts off the, the one soldier's ear because he thinks he's helping Jesus. But he didn't know the heart behind that. And so um, Jesus shows the father's heart because he heals his ear. You know, Peter cuts it off and then Jesus heals it. So, you know, God is after our hearts. He wants our hearts to be like his. And where we're able to embrace the truth of God's word with the spirit of God's word so that there's life behind God's word. Otherwise, we're just critical and we're cynical. And that's not what God has called us to. But that doesn't mean also that we water down the truth and we accept anything that comes our way. But we test it and make sure that it is in line with God's word, with God's heart. And what we see happening in the world more and more is a rejection of God's truth, a rejection of his standards. And everybody is after their feelings, after their momentary satisfaction, their momentary pleasure. And they're doing things that seem right in their own eyes, but they're wrong in the eyes of God. And. I'm so grateful Jesus did not live according to his feelings alone. You know, he struggled going to the cross and, and having to have to do that. He had feelings. He had emotions. When you look at uh, his life, he had all of that. But he didn't live by his emotions. His emotions weren't his compass for his life. But his father's words were. And that's what propelled him. That's what directed him. And that is what needs to be for us, but we need to do it with the heart of God. And so that brings us to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> and this is a wonderful chapter in and of itself, but we're going to start in verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. <clears throat> he says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, 
Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. (laughs) He had to throw that in because when you're going to do that, if you're going to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak, you have to have patience. Amen? Verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. To one another and to everyone. That's, so we don't get to pick and choose, right? Whoever God brings our way, we're supposed to be this to them. We're always supposed to seek to do good for them. All right. And then some of these are small, so they're together. The things, verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Everybody say test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Doesn't that remind you of Romans chapter 8 verse 28 where he says that God's going to work all things out for our good. That means that we don't always have good things that happen to us, but God promises to work them out for our good. Amen. And Philippians 1 6, where he's talking about how God is going to finish what he started in us. So he's the architect, he's the builder, he's the designer, he's everything. And he's going to do it. And it says in verse 24, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And so this brings me to guarding our hearts. And this is a, a one of the ways that we guard our hearts is to protect our minds is to test our thoughts. Not every thought that we have is from God, and that's why it's so important to test them, especially our thoughts and our feelings. In order for us to have choices, we have to have more than one place where thoughts come from, and we do. They're either God or they're the enemy. And um, we can be trained by either one. Okay? It's our choice. Throughout all of our lives, we're going to be challenged with our thoughts. We all have questions about who we are. I don't care how old you are. You're going to have questions about who you are. We all have insecurities that we're going to struggle with. And we're going to ask God, why did you make me like this? Why did you do this? Why, 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 why? We're going to have those. But what we also need to do is let God's word be the answer for us and not our feelings, not our emotions, not our thoughts. Because when when we're being challenged with those questions of who we are and the insecurities, then that's a perfect time for the enemy to come in and begin to wreak havoc in our lives. And and so it's important that we turn to God's word. It's during those times that doubt rises up within us and Um, if you don't ever have doubt in your life, then you're not walking with God. 
You know, I mentioned last week or the week before, if faith was so easy, everybody would be doing it. There's a lot of doubt involved with walking in faith at first. But doubt is something that we're going to struggle with, uh, I dare say, all of our lives. So it's okay to have doubts, but we need to be sure to turn to the word of God for our answers concerning our doubts as well. Otherwise, we can get thrown off course. If you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read a set of scriptures and we'll talk about it, but then we're going to read them in the Passion Translation because it really brings it out. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Everybody say divine power. To destroy strongholds. And strongholds are those things for whatever reason they've come in. And, and it's a mindset that we have that this is the way we are. This is the way it is. And it's um, contrary to the word of God, to the truth of God. And it hinders us. And so God is giving us divine power to destroy those strongholds in our lives. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. <clears throat> so the first thing that it says is that if we're going to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, if that's going to be true in our lives, then we have to know the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you don't know when these things arise up within you. And that's why it's so important that we know the word of God, because we have to allow the word of God to be our standard. That's how we know that there, there are arguments against the word of God, that there are lofty opinions against the word of God. And we have those coming in our society, gangbusters now. And so we have to know what the word of God is and we have to be willing to stand on that. If we are going to bring every thought captive to Christ, it, it means that uh, we are going to judge our thoughts by the word of God. And again, if we're going to judge our thoughts by the word of God, we have to know what God's word says. We have to know the standard revealed in his word for us to obey it. Now, here's how the Passion Translation reads out of this. <clears throat> For although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims. Verse 4, instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Those are the strongholds. Let me read that again. 
Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Verse 5. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. Can we just pause there for a moment? There's a lot of fantasy that people are living in nowadays. You know, you have fantasy football, fantasy baseball. I, I don't know if they have fantasy soccer, fantasy basketball, but I'm sure they do. Fantasy everything. And so people make up their mind of what things are, and, and it's fantasy, but yet they believe it as true because it suits them. It, it, it meets a need in their natural realm. And, and God's saying here, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in, in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Now, can I tell you, this has to go on within us. This is what we are called to do. And God has given us the power to do this. We'll continue with five. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Woo! <clears throat> and so again, let me remind you that not every thought that you have comes from God. And so we have to determine, is this a God thought or is it not? And if it's not, we have to deal with it properly. And the only way to know if it's a real thought of God or not is we have to know God's word. We have to hide his word in our hearts that we might not sin against it. So if you're going to be casual in your Christian walk and you're just going to not read your word, then you're not going to know if, it, if your thought comes from God or not. And the world is trying to change all of that now anyways. Verse 6. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose to complete obedience. And so it's our responsibility to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. It is our responsibility to de demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant uh, that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And may I remind you that Paul is speaking to believers and he was bringing understanding that everyone wrestles with thoughts because not all of our thoughts come from God. But Paul was also giving them and giving us the remedy as to how to recognize and deal with our thoughts that are contrary to the word of God, which means that we have to know God's word. I can't stress that enough. And if we don't put into practice what Paul is saying here, we're going to get off track with our walk with God. We're going to believe anything that comes down. We're going to begin to live according to our feelings, according to our fantasies. We're going to make up things in our mind and we're going to say, well, this is God because we don't know his word and we haven't dealt with all the thoughts that come. If we don't do this, then it'll become easy for us to start thinking that we know best about our lives instead of God knowing best about our lives. 
And we will begin to believe the lie that the enemy used on Adam and it's still working on us today that God is withholding good from us. And if we would just step out in sin, we would find the good that God has for us. No, we won't. No, we will not. And God is not withholding anything good from us. And the whole temptation uh, that he had with Adam was about trying to get him to find a different identity. One that is contrary to the truth of God, his word and his purposes. He was, all he had to do was bring in some doubt into Adam and Adam fell for it all. And the enemy, because it worked with Adam and it's still working today, that's his main tactic. Get us to think God doesn't love us, that God doesn't have a plan for our life, that he is not for us. And it's not true. Not according to his word. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, please. So the enemy, first one, he goes to Adam, tries to change his identity. He's successful. Comes to us, tries to change our identity. And he starts questioning, well, if God really loved you, then why did he let this happen to you? If God really loves you, why are you struggling with this? Why do you have this sickness? Why do you feel this way? Why did he give you those parents and not other parents? Why did he make you live in America instead of somewhere else? I mean, he keeps bombarding us with, well, if God loves you, if God loves you, if, if he's for you, then why this? Why this? And, and we don't even realize that we live in a fallen world. That's why. God can still love us even if we have a sickness because the sickness doesn't come from him. It comes from the enemy who's trying to lie to us again. So the enemy got Adam to change his identity. Identity gets us to change our identity. But guess what? He couldn't get Jesus to change his. Woo! Hallelujah. Yes. And that brings us to Matthew chapter 3. Starting in verse 16. And it says this. And, and before we read this, if you understand, Jesus was coming to get baptized by John the Baptist, who was baptizing other people. And John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. And when Jesus came to be baptized, he's like, no, I'm not going to baptize you. You baptize me. I'm not worthy. Of and Jesus said, no, you got to do this to fulfill the law of righteousness. So now we're at verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, because John did do it, water baptized him. Immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And coming to rest on him. So that's John's account of it. John the Baptist. He, he baptizes him. Jesus comes out. The, the heavens are open. He sees a dove coming and resting on Jesus. And then verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. All right. That's the end of chapter 3. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. Now, this is immediately after 
he's baptized and we hear that voice from heaven saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Verse or four, one. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. <coughs> so. Well, let, let me finish reading, then we'll come back to this. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Amen. After 40 minutes, I'm hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we have this declaration in Matthew chapter three, that this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, think about this for a moment. Jesus heard it. John the Baptist heard it. All those around there heard it and the enemy heard it as well. But it says in Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Can you mute this part? Now, if you struggle with that. I'm going to give you some truth here and I'll give you a word of encouragement. But I do want to tell you this, that there's sometimes that we think that it's the enemy who is leading us in a certain direction and it may be God because God's trying to do a work in us. It looks like the enemy, but it's not. But in this case, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, this had to occur. This had to occur to Jesus. Because Adam was tempted in his identity. We are tempted in our identity. And the scripture says that Jesus is a sympathetic high priest because he is tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. And so God takes this opportunity of his water baptism God speaking this, that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the, immediately the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted. Because he needed to know who he was and he needed to stand on that. And Jesus passed the test. Jesus didn't fall for the lies of the enemy. Because the enemy came to him and said, if... You are the son of God. Tempted him three times by asking him or challenging him if you are the son of God. And Jesus answered him according to the word of God. So that's why I'm telling you, it's so important for us to make sure that we know the word of God. So what, when the enemy comes to us and he's tempting us and, and he's, he's trying to get us off course, we can be able to declare who we are in Christ. And so the th each time that the enemy tempted him, the three times Jesus answered according to the word of God. And that's how 
exactly how we must answer the temptation of our identity and who God has made us to be. And if we don't know the word of God, we can't refute the challenges of who we are from the enemy. And they will come. And this is why we need to know the word of God and use it as our weapon to demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We have got to be able to do that. We have to know God's word to be able to do that. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 10, please. And, you know, some of the deceptive fantasies that the enemy brings our way is, is he, he's tempting us and he'll say, well, no one will know. When you hear that, well, no one will know, we ought to be on guard that, hey, that's the enemy speaking. Well, maybe in the natural, people may not know, but there's one person who knows all things and he's going to see it. And so when you hear that, well, nobody's going to know, you ought to know right away that's the enemy. And then here's another fantasy that he has for you when he's getting ready to tempt you. It won't hurt you. And nobody else is going to be hurt by this. You just go ahead. It won't hurt you. Yes, it will. We are people. God has called us to a body. And because of that, whatever you do that isn't right is going to affect me as well. Mm. We're in a family together. Mm. If we don't put this into practice, then we will accept whatever thought comes our way and convince ourselves it's God. I mean, it happens. When, in fact, it's not God, it doesn't line up with his word. It doesn't agree with his word. But we don't know it because we don't know God's word. And even if we know God's word, if we're not taking our thoughts captive, if we're not demolishing those deceptive fantasies and the arrogance that rises up against the true knowledge of God, if we don't demolish them, then we're going to fall for anything. You know, when my father-in-law would be preaching about this and in our thoughts and stuff, he was like, if you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for everything. And that was in relation to the word of God. If you don't stand on the word of God, you're going to fall for anything that the enemy brings your way. John chapter 10. Verse 1. And I do want to tell you this too. that You ought to just spend time in John chapter 10. Just the whole chapter. I almost wanted to read it all today, but for the sake of time, we're not going to, so... You can relax. But there's it, John chapter 10 is so rich. And it's so powerful. We're going to start in verse 1. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Just stop there for a moment. 
Who's the door in our life now? If we're born again, who is the door? Jesus Christ. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And so let me paint the picture for you here. What he's talking about is the sheep would have a place where not just their sheep, but a few other sheep would all gather together. They would uh, mingle together. They would eat together. They would lie down together for the evening, you know. But then when it was time for them to leave, the shepherd would make a noise that the sheep recognized that it was him and that they were to follow him. So that noise would cause them to come out of the sheep pen, out of the gate area, and they would begin to follow him. And that's what verse 4 is talking about. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. So now he's leading the way, and they follow him. They follow him. We have a lot of Christians who don't want to follow They want to be called Christians. They want to have all the blessings of Christianity, but they don't want to follow. They want to be born again. They want to know that they're on their way to heaven, but they don't want to follow Jesus. He's called us to follow him. And he says to the sheep that follow him, it says this, for they know his voice. And then verse 5 says this. A stranger they will not follow. Meaning that there's other voices out there. But a stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of the strangers. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you again this morning. That not every thought that we have comes from God. And so we need to discern what thoughts are from God, what thoughts aren't from God. We need to know how to handle them. We need to know how to demolish them, how to bring the strongholds down in our lives. We need to do that. Not only do we need to know how to do it, but we need to do it. We can't just be hoping that God is going to do it for us. It's our responsibility to demolish those fantasies. It's our responsibility. We have the divine power within us now, but we have to know God's word. That's why it's so important that we know it. So we know what his voice sounds like so we can follow it and we don't follow us strangers. There are many voices out there and it's so vital for us to know the voice of our heavenly father so we can test and judge Everything. We need to make sure that it belongs to God, that the voice that we're hearing belongs to God. If we are going to fulfill the calling that God has on our life, 
if we are going to fulfill the plans and the purposes that God has created us for, then we have to know God's word. We have to be able to know his voice, to be able to test everything and be in alignment and agreement with his word. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. Otherwise, you may be born again, but you're going to fall off track. And, and Paul says that in his letter. There are some who have left the faith. You don't want to be that. We can be that, but you don't want to be that. All right, let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you again for this time together. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. And Father, I thank you that in order for us to guard our hearts and to have a heart like you, we have to know your voice. We have to be willing to follow it. We, we have to be willing to demolish whatever comes our way that isn't in agreement with you. The fantasies, the arrogant opinions that aren't of you, Father. Lord, teach us your ways. Lord, not only teach us your word, but teach us how to put your word into practice for our lives. That we can tear down the strongholds. That we can remove them from our lives. That we don't have to hide behind them anymore. We can be free to be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.